Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where everything is magic. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beej. I'm magic. You are magic. Good job. Um, Today, we're talking about Magic the Gathering, because that's basically what I've been playing for the last week, Magic the Gathering Arena, specifically for me. But we wind out the topic to be Magic the Gathering as a whole, because it's been around for a long time, and then we have more talk to talk about, basically. Yeah, and I've got a lot more experience with Magic the Gathering than I do Arena, since I installed it today, but I've been playing Magic for like 20 days? years overall since i started playing so like it was 97 so i didn't realize that until we started talking about this like off the air after the episode last week and i was like wait how much history with magic do you have and i was like let's just do that as a topic so that's where we are today before we get too far into it i know we'd like to usually start with histories but like i realized that some people might be like me where like you know of magic you're like ancillary to magic but you don't actually know any of the details and we're going to get into some of the details later but this isn't going to be like a super deep dive because I'm not capable of that right now. I could give you a real deep dive of, you know, early 2000s, late 90s competitive magic, but uh, right, what's going on right now? Nah. Yeah. So quickly up front, I just want to cover like what it is. So like Magic the Gathering, which we'll probably just be calling Magic because most people do because it's shorter. Um, it's a CCG. So it's a collectible card game. It's not like the LCGs that I've talked about in the past where you buy a pack and you have like one of every card. Like I really like that model. This is truly a CCG where there's always more cards to chase because it's randomized throughout the booster packs that you get and sometimes they sell core sets and sometimes they sell like pre-packaged sets or things that are balanced against each other but ultimately they want to get you like into the game so you keep buying more and more packs and that's really their whole business model um they keep rolling out new packs and new sets and we'll talk about some of that later but basically there's always a chance to get more cards and you can try to collect the best cards. That's the business model that Magic is built around. And it's been around for a long time. Like it's been 26 years. I looked it up this morning. Been, they started in 1993. So Magic is fairly old, but that also means that it's fairly well developed and there's a lot of depth there and there's a lot of things they've learned about the gameplay. So as they're refreshing sets and like changing over the cards, um, they refine it over time and they add new mechanics. And like I said, we'll get a little bit more into that a little later, but it's interesting to think that they've had 26 years of game design into this game already. And it's really crazy going in right now, like starting up with Arena right now, it feels like it's the same game that I played for years and years and years in person, but there are things that have been going on, and it's online, obviously, but there are new, so many new things that I can see how it's been modernized, that there's a lot of modernization in it as well from the time that I was playing. Like, it's really, they've really balanced that very well, where I am, I'm really impressed by the way that they've been able to make it not feel stale at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's more approachable than I think it's ever been. And I've had it put in front of me over and over again over the years, probably for the last like 15 years. I don't know. I, I remember it being around forever, maybe even longer than that. And I just I never latched on until this time, which was it's so interesting for me that like I got into Magic the Gathering Arena. But again, back to the core game, like you build a deck. It, I should say it's owned by Wizards of the Coast now, which is the same people who own D&D &D, and they own a couple other properties, too. Um, but they've been acquiring more and more. And so Magic is one of their core things that they own. Um, you build a deck of 60 cards out of your card pool that you own personally, or I guess you could borrow from friends or borrow someone else's deck or buy a <laughs> pre-made. But it's a 60 card deck. And that's like a standard form 
format. Again, there's lots of formats, there's lots of nuance, but we'll glaze over that for now. Um, each player starts with 20 health, and basically you play land to get mana. So like land is a type of card, you play the card, and then on your turn, you can turn that card 90 degrees to like tap the land, and that'll give you mana that you can use to cast the other spells in your hand. All of this, if you've ever played Magic, sounds extremely basic, but if you haven't, these are some of the like basics you should know. So those spells in your hand, they can be like actual spells that have an effect or do damage or have something like happen in the uh, arena of play. Otherwise, they can be a creature that you're just like summoning a creature that goes out and then you can attack with it, you can defend with it, that kind of thing. And the overall goal of the game is to reduce the other person's health to zero while yours is still above zero. And that's like magic in a nutshell. It's just, it's a yeah. card game, you know, 1v1 in standard format, 60 cards. You use your land, use your mana to cast the cards in your hand and you defeat the opponent. Would you add anything else to, like, the basic basics? Not really. I mean, you have different kinds of spells. That, that, that The big difference here, this is like uh, Hearthstone's grandparent in a lot of ways, where if you've played Hearthstone, you'll know that you have the creatures and you play everything and you attack, blah 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 But uh, the main thing here is that there are different types of things that you can play. There are different colors. Not everybody has the same... Re- kind of resources and so a lot of the strategy comes in with being like different deck archetypes uh kind of like the 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 heroes in uh in hearthstone and uh just that you get different kinds of spells to play all the time rather than just creature and spell in uh hearthstone there are lots of different things going on oh yeah and we will talk about that here in a little bit but before we get too much into like the intricacies of what we found and you know a lot more than i do i'm just kind of like learning all this in the last week or two um but i want to talk about our histories because that's always a good place to start and I'm going to go first because mine is super short. Like, I've always been Magic adjacent, kind of like I said up front, but I never really got into it until the last week or two with Magic the Gathering Arena. And really, my brother is the main person that's gotten me into Magic over and over, like, over the years, honestly, just because he has consistently been playing it or had friends who were playing it or had access to cards. And I never really collected Magic cards. It just wasn't my thing, Um, which surprises no one these days, knowing how I am with like physical formats of stuff. But even back in the day, even when I was a kid, like I just never really collected Magic cards. It wasn't something I did, but he was always more into it. So he's drawn me in and gotten me to try it out over the years. And finally, this time when he brought me back to Magic the Gathering Arena, because this is the second time that I tried it. The first time it didn't stick with me but it really seemed to click for me this time and you know like a lot of other ccgs and lcgs as i've tried magic over the years i really like piloting a good deck but i'm not a big fan of deck building and there's a couple formats that i've been playing around with online where i'm finding some fun in deck building but it's within very narrow constraints so i'll talk about that when we talk about a few other formats but i still think that's kind of like where i'm landing like i enjoy piloting a really good deck I'm the opposite with magic that that like usually I'm I like really you know tightly tightly put together something I get really irritated when I have to like start with a very small pool of cards and work up and it's like this time going in with arena I all of it goes back to the the years of history. I have the decades of history I've I've got with it where it's like, I want to build this deck. This deck isn't doing what it's supposed to do, and I know how to fix it. And it's like, why is that why did they not include this in this deck? And so I am 
automatically honed in on do on on tweaking and trying to make these pre-made decks they give you at the beginning of the game uh i you know i, I gave them five dollars i like the game I, I downloaded it today i like the game i gave them five bucks just to get more cards so that i could start putting uh like counter spells in the uh in the blue deck i'm like why are there no counters in this this is ridiculous there's there's not any re- like permanent removal it's uh so it was like the I like the building the deck in this one where in other games I don't necessarily. And I think it's because I have that uh, history of doing it for so long. Well, I want to know about this because you said you've been playing for a really long time, right? And I just didn't know this about you either until like literally last week after the episode when we were talking after we stopped recording. This is when I found out that you had such like a long history with it. Like I thought I had mentioned it before, but I guess I hadn't where I was 14 years old whenever I got into magic. Like I was uh, around the same time. I know for a fact that it was around the same time that Final Fantasy uh, 7 was out because uh, it was the class I was in. Uh, this dude named uh, Bubba McConnell, like I think his actual name might have been Michael but I honestly don't remember like everybody called him Bubba so uh, welcome to uh, Summertown Tennessee and it's uh, but he gave me uh, a green and red deck like he and his friends and they were all of my friends uh, too but I just never they had all gotten into magic and I hadn't and so uh, like they were a year ahead of me and so I just hadn't been right there and I just started high school and so over that last year they had all gotten into it and Bubba gave me uh, one of his decks and it was like I loved this game like it was an immediate love for when he explained it to me played a game with it like I fell hard because of how easy it was but also of just how much stuff that you could do and what was kind of ridiculous and I'm sure that there are going to be listeners who have this uh, I say problem but it's kind of a problem uh, being from the south it's very very conservative especially in the uh, in the 90s of the idea of magic in general like if you were remember in the late 80s like that Tom Hanks movie Mazes and Monsters when people would uh, play Dungeons and Dragons and then murder people like remember stuff like that yeah not really this is one of those things where like you and I are just a a couple years apart but I never had any of that and part of it might be where I grew up too I didn't grow up in the south but like I think all of those scares happened just a few years before I was old enough for them to matter. And by the time I got into this kind of thing, like that stigma didn't exist anymore. Well, I highly suggest going and watching the movie uh, Mazes and Monsters with Tom Hanks because it's totally ridiculous and uh, like kind of encapsulates everything about that particular scare era of this. But uh, it took off because it was during that time that like being from the South, being so conservative, the idea of casting spells was... especially things that could raise things from the dead and had pictures of burning skeletons on them when you're like casting a fireball or incinerate is uh my mom had to check all this out like she went through every single card in that green red deck that bubba gave me and made sure that it was appropriate uh because i was casting spells and uh it's just i know that there are people who are listening who may have had that same experience around that same time but looking back it's so odd because this was during the time that like doom was supposed to be making people murder people uh and making kids murder people and uh, it was before the gta stuff was uh, even a thing like it was way before uh grand theft auto 3 was out uh and being making people uh kill people so like all this was going on and like 
it was an every Friday night thing after that, that we had a card shop in, in town that was, uh, we just called it Carl's. I honestly can't remember the name of the, the actual name of the, of the shop. It was, uh, it was just Carl's and, uh, we went to his shop and we had magic tournaments every Friday. There was a big community, uh, in our town and we just went and we hung out and it was, it was what Friday nights were. It, uh, one of us would get off a work it wouldn't be uh going home it would be we went to the card shop to hang out and uh we would either pay sometimes those of us who have money would pay for somebody else to enter a tournament because they didn't have the uh, entry fee um like stuff like that like it was really communal and really uh, a wonderful wonderful community there where some of the memories of high school like of just weird things that happened are all in Carl's shop there and uh like I couldn't drive for the first couple of years of of doing this where I was like 14 15 years old and there was a Taco Bell directly across the road and so uh I would go at 11:30 at night because we were going really late with these uh, tournaments sometimes and we were hungry so I would walk through the drive-through and eventually Taco Bell put up a you can't walk through the drive-through anymore sign uh, because of me and then I couldn't get tacos late at night anymore and people had to uh, go drive over there and it was uh, it was sad it was a sad time and it was because of magic and me that that Taco Bell people can't walk through the drive-through anymore in Lawrenceburg Tennessee so uh, that's so does that that's very but sad. yeah it's sad but but that was what it was that was my my high school years and that kept on until college like i started playing like right around the time weatherlight came out and so i was keeping up with all of the all of the releases going to state tournaments uh, pre-releases and all these kind of of things and uh, all of my friends were were into it i was never really competitive with it I didn't like I play things I play to win but at the same time I tend to play to have fun so I would never play the real meta decks I would play the ones that I liked the best and sometimes they did well sometimes they didn't and uh, like I only won a single tournament solo in my entire magic career I've only placed first in an overall tournament one time and uh, I won a couple of two-headed giants with friends where you're playing kind of 2v2 um, and uh, I won a couple of those but I won a single tournament solo and uh because I'm a blue player. Like, that's what I am. I love control decks. I love counter decks. I love control decks. And I won this tournament with a Drago deck. This was what it was back at the in the time. At the time, it was called Drago, where it was a blue deck that had zero creatures in it. It had uh, absolutely no creatures in it. It was all counter spells and permanent removal and uh, things like that. And the only way that I could actually do damage to somebody were there were these land, these lands, I think they were called shifting sands that you could turn into a creature for like three colorless mana. So whenever you had locked them down, you turn one of your lands into a person and uh, we called him land man and you beat them to death with Landman. And uh, like the reason it was called draw go is because that's how your turn went. You draw your card, you tell them to go. It was draw, go, and then whatever they do, 
counter it. Like that was the entire deck. Like they actually get something between it. You capsize it back to their hand. Like if they get too far in, uh, you just lock everything down and just keep removing stuff. You like boomerang. Uh, there was a card called Forbid at the time that you could like discard two cards without having to pay the, uh, that you, so you didn't have to pay. No, 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 excuse me. It was force of will that you could discard cards to counter spells. Uh, so you didn't even have to have mana on the table or mana untapped to do it. And there was one that had, I think it was called Forbid, that had buyback. So you could pay a couple of extra mana and just get the card back into your hand. Like you cast it, counter theirs, and it boomerangs. You bought it back and put it back in your hand. Like this deck was absurd and it had to make people so mad. Like there's no way this deck was fun to play against, but it was so much fun to play. It's the only thing I ever won a tournament with. Yeah, you're the reason that people hate blue players, basically. Oh yeah, I totally am. Like I'm not one of the person, one of the people who's like, oh, I'm gonna do this flying stuff, or I'm gonna have these mist elementals. I'm like, no, I'm gonna counter everything that you do. And then it was one of the things that got me out of Magic initially, uh, that made me really fall away from the game is they actually stopped printing counterspell in the sets. They said they would never print counterspell. That two blue mana to counter anything was too powerful, and that everything from that point on uh, would be uh, have some sort of caveat to it where uh it would have a more more of a casting cost it would only target things like creature spells or enchantments or artifacts things like that or targeting a spell that targets you or your creatures something like that but it was net they would never just do counter target spell for two blue mana again and that was like you you took the core of everything i loved about this game and you said it would never happen again. And so that really did kind of push me uh, out of it because they were so dramatically shifting what I liked to play. Well, and, I uh, feel like they've balanced it a lot better since like when you were playing, which is probably one of the reasons that I'm latching on more this time than I ever have before. Because like I feel like whenever I played when I was a kid, there was always somebody with a deck that would just do something that you didn't even know was possible and then you had no response and then you just lost. And it, it wasn't fun. Like there was no fun there, you know? It was almost like you weren't even playing the same game and sometimes it was against a blue player like you're talking about sometimes it was just some like crazy combo that they're like well now i have infinite health and infinite attack and i kill you you're like what yep okay what like and that was the kind of stuff that i hated um oh, I it, it seems like it's a lot better these days um i'm both happy and sad about that because I'm i only like happy stuff about like it. that like things like if you look it up just look up the Telerian academy decks and stuff like that like i looked at the band list today for certain formats when i was downloading this they banned Telerian academy already and i'm just like this is this is sad because i needed all my all my mana for all of the artifacts like you got a mana for every artifact that you controlled and it fed some really weird like uh like taking infinite turns kind of uh to kind of gameplay yeah and that's i don't know that's not fun when you're actually playing against other real people like as much as i like to break a system when i'm playing against a computer or playing a single player game like i don't enjoy that when i'm playing against other players because it just ruins the fun for everybody see and i i'm i'm just enough of a jerk that I don't enjoy it in online games like this, like Hearthstone, like MTGA here. I probably won't like that nearly as much, but sitting across from somebody at a tournament, especially a stranger, and doing that to them and watching them get so frustrated gives me this weird 
weird, perverse, just just joy that I can't explain and probably explains why I was a griefer in UO as well. Uh, but uh, but it's like, yeah, I love I love frustrating people with control decks. But it's like I've never been like a competitive trader. I've never been the kind of person who would play anything more than that. I have the, I'm like a single one trick pony here. It's like I would people used to say that I'm getting ripped off on all the trades that we would do with people. But it's like I didn't care. I wasn't stupid enough to realize, you know, I, that I might have been offering too much. But it's like I got what I wanted. It's like uh, like in Hamilton where there's the the line that's like. Uh, you got more than you gave, but I wanted what I got. Uh, it was like, I very rarely got more than I gave, but pretty much every time I wanted what I got, like I got what I wanted. You know, I still have a small binder in my desk drawer right now. I told you about the counter spells being so, so, uh, so much my favorite. I still have a small binder in my desk right now in front of me that uh, has counter spells that I was collecting uh, in there right now. Just like this has still been something that I've carried around with me for like 20 years that are just in there. It's like that's one of my one of my collections. But like I still have like friends who uh, well, I have friends who did this, like the friend I'm going to talk about. He actually passed away a few years years ago um he he was a little bit older than us and he graduated before us but he uh actually made a living selling like early beta and alpha cards he had collected like a part of his living at least was uh made from selling off like moxes and i think he had a couple a few black lotuses from back in the day like just things and just in general high dollar magic cards that he was able to pay monthly expenses with for a good long time yeah i've heard about people doing that too i think i've had friends who've made a lot of money like buying and selling magic cards which is it's a whole like self-contained economy in a really weird way oh yeah yeah it really is yeah it's 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 absolutely insane well and, yeah uh, i mean like i said like you had way more of a history with it than i did but there's you know i've like i've been close enough to it that like i've kind of internalized some of this stuff and then some of it i'm just coming back around to learning in the last couple of weeks here so yeah i want to talk about like the basic plus type of game info where some of the things you're talking about and i know like you're loving it and geeking out about it but like i have no context for the cards you're talking about or like the specific right. decks or anything and so i think some of the nuance for people who are like in my position where it's like i kind of know magic i kind of don't know magic um like where's the interesting part like give me the next step to get me interested in it and i think right. a lot of that comes from like just one more step after the basic game so one of the things I want to talk about was like, there's five different colors of mana. And like, if you've been playing magic, like this is like the dumbest, like most easy, boring, like it's a core part of the game. <laughs> but if you haven't, it's really interesting because kind of like what you were saying, it's almost like choosing a hero in Hearthstone. It's like the flavor of your deck. It's the way that it's going to be played. You know, and there's white, there's black, there's green, red, and blue. And then you can also mix and match these colors. And so I'm going through the newbie experience right now where like I'm unlocking upgrades for my like pre-made decks that the game has made for me and then once you get far enough along you unlock um if you go down like two trees that are next to each other you can unlock like a dual color deck and those are super fun and super interesting for me so i guess do you want to start with blue because you love blue so much um like the way i love blue so much and like immediately as soon as i was able to edit that deck i started putting in control cards from the white deck that they start you with and immediately started hybridizing in it like there was uh it, it was immediate like i never played a single game against somebody with solid blue in this one because I didn't have the card base to do it. Um, so I started going down both of the trees on that. Yeah, and so 
it's like it's called um mono like if you have one color it's like a mono blue or like a mono mm-hmm. red right um otherwise yep. you start mixing it and so blue at its core is all about like spell casting and i mean the flavor of it is like water like when you look at it the elements behind it all of that it's water but like the base the base land is uh the basic land is a is an island it's uh like it's wizards and and things like that the the pretty traditional if you look at wow it's the arcane mage that you uh, that you see if you've ever played World of Warcraft, like that is what ma- like the arcane mage is the blue stuff in, and it just seems to have like lots of spells, and it seems a little bit more like artifact heavy, but like spells mm-hmm. is kind of the overall overwhelming. Like yeah, if you want to cast spells and you want to do spells all day and you want more control, like blue is where you want to be. Man, I remember when they started introducing so much of the artifact stuff, uh, giving it to blue, and it was so much fun when that was brand new that they started really leaning in with the artificer stuff uh it was it was so good that's right around the time of the Tolarian academy like uh infinite turns and stuff like that like it was it was so much fun <laughs> yeah so from there um red is another one that you can build it a couple different ways but it's really there's there's creatures in there that do damage but there's also a lot of like direct damage spells and just like damaging spells in ways whereas blue is more like tricky and controlling and like you can be a jerk like bj was um red is <laughs> red is much more like i can do damage to you with my spells also i have creatures and you know red's all themed around fire and what's their basic land see i don't even know these things yet mountain mountain thank you um but it's a mix of like creatures and offensive spells green is like nature and elves that's kind of like the theming around it you know the land is a forest question yeah, mark yeah. yeah okay it is um and they they do things like um, they do creature enhancement for small creatures, but they also have like really big creatures in green. Like the biggest creatures in the game, for the most part, live in green decks. You just have to yeah, have a lot of much. mana to be able to summon them out. So you have to survive long enough to get to late game to be able to like drop these huge monsters on people. And what's really funny about it to me is that they still have this kind of, of base gameplay in like games like Hearthstone, where they took from this. Like uh, that's what green does, or Druid does a lot in. Uh, hearthstone is have these uh tiny creatures that do or have a lot of tiny creatures and then you buff them and they do a lot and then you have these gigantic creatures that come out later and uh, the same with the with uh, jaina and blue and uh, stuff like that like it's just really uh really interesting to me how these archetypes have have moved forward yeah and like split off and like taking different bits and pieces of the flavor it's it's definitely interesting um black is undead so it's like it's a lot of zombies it's a lot of vampires so vampires kind of like steal the enemy's health give it to you zombies are a lot of there's a lot of interesting like graveyard stuff that happens with black where like Mm -hmm. a creature can get killed or can be banished to your graveyard and then you can do things with black cards or black spells to interact with your graveyard either resurrect someone or bring something back or cast something directly from it um there's a lot of just like i I wrote undead weirdness in here but i think (laughs) i summarized it pretty well between those couple things yeah, actually, the zombie stuff is fairly new to me. Like I've always been since I, I stopped being competitive and like going to tournaments and things like that. I have like stayed magic adjacent where I, I've seen the major new releases, seen what's come out, uh, different uh, different sets and, and uh, abilities and stuff like that. And the somehow like all of the zombie stuff that keeps adding into each other and the Ravnica uh, Ravnica cards that we get right now is this is all new to me, like seeing how the zombies do. But I figured it was going to be a zombie horde. So I've been playing very carefully around black players today. 
Yeah, I've been really liking the black decks. I haven't picked one yet. I don't have something that I can say, like, I'm this mana color or this dual mana color. I'm playing around with a lot. I just know that I'm not super drawn to, like, mono blue or mono red. And I think those are the only two things I'm sure of at this point. Um, but, yeah, black is appealing. I feel like I'm playing that a little bit more than I'm playing the other ones. Um, yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah, I can see you being black green more than anything. I might. I might end up with something like that. I'm kind of interested to see where I land between all the different colors and stuff. Um, And then the last one is white. So white is like angels is kind of the theme. And it's, I don't actually remember. What's the land? Uh, Plains. Plains. Thank you. Um, It's... It's all about like, it's not all about heaven, but it's like, it's angels and it's like people that are fighting for justice and that kind of thing is the theming. But the main thing that I feel like I see with white, it's it's a pretty good mix of stuff, but they have more flying than anybody else in the game. See, I think that's blue, actually. Like, blue has so much flying that you can manipulate with. It surprised me. Well, it may not now. Let me put it that way. Like, the uh, the number of flying things that I've seen in uh, white has been uh, uh, a lot more than I'm used to. I'm used to seeing things like First Strike and uh, Vigilance and uh, really, like, more military type stuff. These, these heroes who are staunch, who do that stuff and uh, have some flying to go ahead, like Sarah Angel and uh, some of the others. Yeah, kind so, of like... Uh, militant angels is kind of some of the themes around it yeah it's it's fascinating they have like i don't know i feel like white is a really good mix of Mm -hmm. a lot of different things from a lot of the different other colors um and it kind of represents it all well so i was just trying to think about like what's different and that whole angel theming and like flying seems a little bit more prevalent there i use i've been using the deck i've been using today at least the uh i've had a lot of flying stuff and so the ones that really give me more trouble are the ones that can actually block them and that's been the white decks that i've been playing against because i think a lot of people where i am just in the normal play area are using a lot of the uh, pre-constructed decks still yeah and that makes sense so the mana colors are cool like i'm having a lot of fun like digging into it and realizing oh i like this or i'm kind of more drawn to that or i don't like that um but there's definitely like picking what kind of player you are picking what kind of flavor you're after and then the other thing uh that i wanted to mention well a couple other things here is like different formats like there's so many different formats of magic and i knew these existed but i didn't really get my head around it until i started looking it up in the past few weeks here so standard is basically what we've been talking about it's kind of like the default way to play but then there's things like drafting sealed tournaments two-headed giant commander there's these unsets so like drafting is where you open up a bunch of packs you hold all the cards in front of you you pick one and then you like pass it to the person on your right and the person on Mm -hmm. your left passes it to you and you get to pick one card from that so you get to see tons and tons of cards and you slowly build your deck out of this until all the cards are gone and i love drafting in person because you get to keep the cards i mean you're paying for the cards and you keep what you draft you have to make a decision on whether you're going to pick the cards that will help you during that tournament whether you're going to pick the cards that will mess over somebody else in the tournament like if you see a superpower card you don't want anyone else to have it whether you use it or not you might take it or the ones that are either really valuable or really powerful for a deck that you're working on or playing that you draft for that as opposed to working in that same tournament online doesn't quite have that uh that the nuance that in person does in a card shop but i love i love drafts yeah and i haven't done enough to know how i feel about it yet but i have done the next one on the list which is sealed and i like to sealed a lot it's where you're given a bunch of packs kind of same idea as the draft you know it's just an Mm -hmm. isolated set of packs you have to work with you open them all and then that's it 
Like you yep. own all of those cards and you have to make a deck with whatever you you opened basically. And it's kind of I don't know, you know, when I have to go and like play in the the open ranked matches against everybody, I worry about my deck construction. I don't have fun like trying to make my deck better and fighting against the meta game. I would rather just go grab a deck that's strong in the meta and like learn how to pilot it. But in sealed that's not an issue because everybody else is under those same constraints. So everyone's just trying to make the best of a bad situation. And I had a really good run in a sealed game or a sealed um, draft or whatever it's called the other day online. And I had so much fun doing that. I need to find where these things are in the UI that I know they're there, but I haven't been able to find like where commander is or anything like that. Well, a lot of these aren't yet. So, um, okay. I don't think there's straight up tournaments in here at all yet. A tournament is exactly what it sounds like. It's a tournament like in any other game. Um, Two-Headed Giant is 2v2. That definitely doesn't exist yet in Magic the Gathering okay. Arena. And Commander is one where I've never played it. But as I understand it, you like pick a hero and you build a deck around them, right? Like I think I think Commander is, and, and this is where I, it's like I'm a, I'm a Magic adjacent to this. It's like I think you pick a Planeswalker and that's around it, uh, I, th- I think. I don't know. I don't actually know that much, but I know it sounds really interesting based on where ccgs and online games have gone lately yeah and then there's the whole idea of unsets which is another thing it's a different format you can play they have a different color border around the edge i think it's silver and they're basically built to break the game they're things that don't work with the game proper they're unstable cards so that's where the un comes from and they're specifically meant not to work with standard formats because they just do crazy things so that's a whole separate format too so out okay, of these, is, so are there a lot of those because the only one i've ever known was the unglued set that came out like that's the only un uh, that was the first one that they did with the silver border and uh that i played a bunch with it because they're ridiculous cards but i didn't know that there were more that uh went with un magic stuff like that i yeah. have had no idea i don't think it's something they release regularly but when i was looking it up today it seemed like there's a few different sets out there for sure that's awesome yeah so the magic the gathering like this is just magic the gathering but for arena the ones that they definitely have are standard that's kind of the main game um and then drafting and sealed are in the game for sure because i've seen all of those as options and then one of the last things i want to touch on was like the different sets which is the thing that like i kind of intellectually knew but i didn't really get my head around it until recently and standard is a rotating group of magic cards that it keeps like updating over time so most sets enter standard when they're released and then they drop out something like 21 months later according to kind of the things i've found online um, at any given time standard contains somewhere between like five and eight different sets so one of those sets is the core set for the current year so like right now it's you know magic the gathering core set 2019 and then there's like I think the previous three expansions that came out last year, and then there's like the two current sets that are out right now for Ravnica. Mm -hmm. And then there's a new one coming out soon. Um, So the two that are out right now are uh, Guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica Alliance. Um, The one that's coming out like in a couple weeks here in the beginning of May is War of the Spark. And that kind of completes this trilogy of sets. And like I'm... I didn't realize where we were in terms of a uh, block release cycle, and I had no idea uh, what I still don't actually have any idea what is in arena here uh, that we can pull from. Like, I'm not seeing any 
older cards. So are we only within standard and getting stand like Ravnica packs right now? Because no, I've it's, it's, not seen any others. Yeah, it looks like it's whatever's in standard right now. So it's the Ravnica cards, it's the core set, and then it's like the two or three expansions that were before Ravnica, which okay. I'm not going to remember off the top of my head, but I looked it up the other day and that's what it looked like. And I haven't really looked at any of that then. Like I said, I get, I, I've played it like between like taking breaks at work today. One of the things that I wanted to like draw the attention to is there's a website called it's literally just called what is in standard or sorry <laughs> what's in standard um if you click on that it'll tell you exactly what's in standard and if you go there at any time it'll show you the exact release cycle and what's in standard what's coming up what's dropping out when it's dropping out all of that kind of stuff so at first it seemed a little overwhelming to me but mostly i think what you can do is you just buy corset until you have enough cards and then you can kind of just buy the latest releases and kind of go from wherever you started man i'm this is bringing me back so much. Just like the idea of this. Like, I got really uh, put out on Hearthstone when they started introducing things like Standard and uh, uh, Legacy. And uh, I'm so used to it being called Type 1 and Type 2 that when you mention Standard, I'm like, now what? Because that's Type 2 in my mind. I, I haven't played uh, in tournaments long enough uh, since they've changed the name. And uh, But it's like I'm seeing this stuff and I click on what's in Standard and I'm like, oh okay it's like i love it like i just love it so much i gotta be careful this is gonna make me have to be really careful too <laughs> that doesn't surprise me um but you know the w one like final thing here that's like high level that i wanted to cover is magic has a story like i didn't know this i didn't know that there was a story built around these cards i thought it was like flavor you know and like a little bit of world building I didn't realize mm -hmm. there was actually like an ongoing story and every expansion now builds on the story and moves it along. And yep. that's so interesting to me. I, I don't have any other thoughts beyond like, I want to know more about this. That didn't start at the beginning of Magic, but it started pretty early on because I started playing in Weatherlight. And I want to say that the uh, the Tempest block and right before it, the Weatherlight block was, those were the... Um, the first ones that had a a cohesive story and those were generally told and before that were and the few before that, like the mirage block and ice age and things like that the early sets were told primarily through the flavor text like there wasn't anything outside of that but uh, later as they started progressing like they started publishing books and now you've got short stories i think there's a short story by brandon sanderson for this uh, upcoming set and uh like i used to read the books pretty often uh, because it was actually a, a pretty good fantasy story. Um, I have no idea what's going on now, but uh, I may soon. Like, I'm going to end up reading the uh, Brandon Sanderson stuff that was put out by it for it. Cool. Uh, apparently, I have hooked you back in just like my brother hooked me back in. Um, before we bounce off the topic, I want to know, like, where are you with it right now? Okay. So this is my one day during breaks at work take on this, on, on, on Arena at least. Like, it is fun. It's really honestly what I wanted Hearthstone to be initially because Magic is a lot more nuanced than uh, Hearthstone's capable of being. Like, that wasn't the game that they set out with Hearthstone. And so this is what I wanted and what I like about uh, online CCGs. Um, I like it. I gave them $5. Um, I, like, I've already been playing Blue, like I said. Uh, it's still fun to play online. It's fun to uh, do it, and the, the client is good enough uh, and fun enough uh, and well put together that it's not frustrating to try to play a control deck uh, online. 
they still do have some problems with the interface where it's kind of slow. The commands aren't really intuitive. Uh, there are some times where it gets hung up and uh, things just don't happen. Um, but it's early on in the game's life, so it will uh, those will be you know ironed out. Like you said last week, they don't have a friends list yet. Um, that like I said, it pauses and, and waits for response all the time. Like if you're able to cast an instant or ability, it makes you resolve it right then. And I understand why, but I don't know if there's a better way to do it. But it really uh, gives away what people have in their hands. Like when you, you can cast fix that. It, so like you said, you played this for one day. There's a, there's a thing in the bottom right where you have like, you know how you can stop on different phases of the turn if you want to? Mm-hmm. There's a little like fast forward arrow right there. If you click that, it'll automatically skip unless the opponent plays a card. So it it's not quite what you want where it's like completely like they have no idea what's going on, but it makes it so it stops a lot less and it's easier to not give away that you have something. Okay, because the big thing is, and is that uh, like it, like I would play a uh, creature and all of a sudden it pauses and I know that those people have something to take care of that in their hand. Yes. And so if they don't do anything, it changes the way that I play and that changes the way that uh, that magic as a as a game is played. Um, but I don't think there's a better way to do it. I mean, I, I can't think of any way to do it online. Um, I like seeing the new art that I've missed over the years that I haven't seen, like seeing uh, new art on Volcanic Dragon and just stuff like that was uh, was re- made me really happy. Uh, seeing Lanawar Elves and this new like weird 3D moving thing was really cool. And uh, I hate the tutorial so much, just so, so badly. It made me want to scream. Um, just you can't skip it. It makes you go through it step by step. It is so slow. And if you know the basics of magic at all, and which I know you didn't uh, going into no, this. I did. So it works I knew the great basics. For, like I knew the I basics and it. I'm so glad that tutorial exists because I needed that refresher. I needed it to like hold my hand for a couple games. And as much as it bothers people like you, like that needs to be there for people like me. Five games. It was five games. Yeah, but they're quick hold and you hands. can't lose them. So oh, it's, I hate it's them. fast. Oh, I wanted to skip it. Like I, I, I knew I wasn't going to bounce off of it at that point. But uh, if it had not been magic, there's a good chance that I would have just come back later. Uh, been like, I don't want to do this. It won't let me skip. I'm not going to do this stupid stuff. Uh, because I, I I love the option of being able to skip a tutorial. That is one, that's kind of one of my gaming pet peeves, though. That's fair. Um, I mean, that's fair enough, especially because you know it so well. I mean, yeah. where I'm but at I with like it. it. Like, I'm still going to play it. That's good. No, I'm glad you like it. I'm glad I got you to try it. That was kind of one yeah. of the goals there. Um, you know, where I'm with with it at the moment is like this was my main geekery for the week like this is what i spent most of my week doing with free time um i still i don't really want to build up a card collection i don't really want to do the physical object version of this that's just not as interesting to me i I might be tempted if there's like a couple decks you can buy that are pre-built that are balanced against each other and they're simple enough just to like be able to do it every once in a while or to introduce somebody to it or play with my kids in person um but beyond that i'm really only interested in magic the gathering arena and I'm super excited that it'll come to other platforms later. It's PC only right now, but like I would eat this game up if it was on mobile or if it was on like, you know, iPad, tablet, whatever. Um, Oh yeah. If they did that, that would mean they had to change some of those interface quirks that, uh, that I'm having issues with. And that would be so awesome on iOS or or Android. Yeah. I don't see how they wouldn't bring it to those eventually. It seems Mm -mm. like the logical next step somewhere along the way. Yeah. 
so what I'm really liking right now is the mastery tree. So like the new player experience, earning those like mastery orbs and then using them to slowly unlock upgrades to the pre-built decks. Um, it keeps me coming back because it gives me really interesting things to work towards. It is and really cool. I really hope that I'm able to keep my momentum up after I finish all of the mastery trees because yeah. really I wish there was like an extended mastery tree after the new player experience because I want something to give me interesting goals with interesting rewards and hook me um, because that's what gets me into games. You know, you have to give me a goal. Like I'm, I'm an achiever and I'm an explorer in games. If you don't give me enough to like latch onto and like work towards, I'll fall off of a game. And I don't want that to happen because I'm having so much fun, but I can see myself starting to feel like that after I finish the mastery tree. So we'll see in a week or two how I feel. I'll probably finish it up, finish it up this week. Well, what about things like collecting the, uh, the digital cars, like getting the packs and earning the gold and things like that like you did in hearthstone uh, does that have any any kind of of draw for you i don't really like opening packs that much like it's just i i want to have an interesting deck and if i have to open a bunch of packs to get to that i will but it's not i don't know i, I don't there's something that's just like it doesn't click with me in a way that it gives me like a hit of you know mm. like anything that's enjoyable it's just like okay i'll open this pack and like i'll click on the thing to see what the special card is and then i move on with my day it's not okay. a joyous experience um one of the things that i did find though was like i really liked doing that sealed draft that i did um there was so much fun because i know everybody else is working under the same constraints and you just have to make the best of a bad situation with whatever cards you have but then you get to keep all those cards afterwards so that yeah. seemed to be like a really good way for me to get into it is to do the sealed and i might try like an actual draft too and see what i think of that type of thing yeah it's i'm i will be interested to see what you think about the uh, the actual draft versus sealed because they're uh, they're they're both really cool formats and they're both really fun to play so I want to know which one you like better yeah I I do too I'll probably play a little bit with that this weekend whenever I finish the the new player experience I'll definitely do something with drafting again like something else and um, you know I just I really like the deck unlock progression I started unlocking the multicolor decks the pre-built ones and they're super fun so I want to know more about that and how the colors work together um, my kids are playing Magic the Gathering Arena with me which is super interesting and fun for me um, we're taking turns and kind of helping each other see things that the other people aren't seeing but there have been a couple nights where like one of us is sitting at the computer and the other two people are like standing or sitting in chairs right behind them like talking about it and that's so hmm. fun with my kids that is really neat yeah. And I mean, really, I just feel like after I finish that that new player mastery tree, I, I might be on the verge of just putting a bunch of money into this to get like the baseline card pool into a really good place, which I don't know. I, I wasn't expecting that when I started playing this again. I was like, yeah, maybe I'll pick away at it and, you know, earn gold in the game and earn gems and then unlock packs slowly. But I kind of want to give myself a boost. Like if I'm still enjoying it as much as I am right now, um, I might drop some like serious money on the, like $50 or something, <laughs> you know, um, to get like to buy a bunch of the core set. Or maybe I know there's a couple pre-order deals that are really good right now for War of the Spark yeah. because it's about to come out in a week or two. So I'd be tempted to maybe drop, you know, $50 even on like the core sets packs and then like $50 on the pre-order for the next uh, War of the Spark. Like I might do that. I'm very tempted to do that. It's it's odd to me on how they've got this particular business model going for Arena because the uh, it's so much easier when you're doing stuff like that to invest and get into it like that and just jump into the 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 wider metagame of buying singles that you get everything you need specifically for this deck in the like side market in the 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 player economy. 
like you'll go on eBay and get it. You'll trade people for it. Uh, you'll you'll just go to to Magic Singles sites uh, that's not dating, but buying uh, individual cards. Uh, I read that Magic Singles, <laughs> and uh, um, I made myself giggle. Um, <laughs> But you go do that, like that's a real shift for me to the idea of how to get into it is investing in for randomness, which, yeah, you're going to buy boosters, you're going to buy boxes of stuff as a Magic player. Uh, but when you really need to hone in, you don't have the ability to just buy what you need. But buying those packs gives you the wild cards that you can just craft what you need. Uh, so it's a. Uh, just a different way of doing it. That's got, I have to wrap my head around it. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I haven't really spent anything outside of there's that new player bundle. I think I bought the same one you did. That's like five bucks. Yeah, you know, it's five bucks. It's like why not? Yeah. After that, I don't know where to put the money to like actually get up and running. And that feels right. like an oversight on their part. It's like once you're into it, once you have enough of a card pool, you can start. There's a lot of ways to get like the most um, recent decks or through drafting or through sealed or, you know, just buying them straight up. But it feels like there's a step in between there missing. And I wish it existed something for like 15, 20 dollars. That's like, here's your next step. Like, here's a bunch of the core stuff. You know, here's a bunch of packs. It's enough to get you started. Yeah. Here's a twenty dollar uh, bundle of twenty dollar uh, Magic 2019. Yes, exactly. Uh, like something like if that. there was that. I would probably buy that this week. If I intend, if I keep playing it like I do, there's a good chance I would drop the 20 bucks on something like that. But I look at the War of the Spark bundle for 50 and it's, it's a lot to spend on, on a, a new game, but B also a game that is untested like this, um, more than anything on the kind of support, but wizards tends to be pretty good about keeping, keeping up with stuff. So it's just 50 bucks is a lot to ask for that next buy-in. Right, and that's why I haven't actually spent it. I've spent $5 on this game. Um, you know, I'm sitting at the point where it feels like what I could do and what's viable is to put down 50 or or $100 one time to get a really good, like, baseline. And then from there, it's just kind of casually, like, you know, on payday, maybe, like, buy a couple packs or do a draft or do a sealed. Like, you know, and you, you just throw a couple dollars at it at a time, and that would be enough to keep up. It's just this initial, like... How do I get onboarded? How do I get enough to yeah. like get in to the point where I can just keep up? That's that's a really good point. I can I totally see that and didn't even wasn't able to pinpoint what it was or really elaborate on it, but I I saw that and didn't really didn't really you know what I'm trying to say. I do, I do. So I think you and I are kind of in the same plot place with Arena, which is very interesting. Um, yeah, I really I like this game. Our main topic went long, but that was like seriously my geekery for the week. So the rest of my geekery is pretty quick um before we do that let's talk about the geeky offer of the week so we have a patreon just very briefly you guys go to patreon.com slash geek to geek cast pledge to support us and it goes everything goes directly back to the podcast to pay for hosting and that kind of stuff so patreon.com slash geek to geek cast uh around the network this week uh geekitude bones still take time to heal we won't hold it against joe uh tea time with katie and chelsea they talked about bts and more k-pop stuff which is it's super interesting to me even though i'm not into it at all um, have you listened to this one yeah i listened to it it was interesting i haven't i haven't listened to this one but i know that there was a conversation on discord about how uh how great this particular episode is so i gotta go back to it soon or yeah, go to good. it soon um and then capsule j is streaming on tuesdays from 8 to 11 eastern and sometimes on thursdays and weekends uh troidal is streaming on thursdays and also randomly sometimes after dinner um and then he's also has that ongoing podcast series right now that's a short-term podcast but it's releasing 
is it every day? It's like a daily release. Um, it's called honestly, Podcasters Assemble, probably. And it's a crowdsourced Marvel hype podcast leading up to the release of Avengers Endgame. So that's another really cool one to check out. Um, Speaking but- of Endgame, I saw uh, today for you guys listening to this, be careful. There are spoilers for Endgame that got leaked. There are videos going around. So uh, plug your eyes and close your ears. Yep. I guess that works. I didn't even know that. Um, I, I read about it on Slack today. Some One of the listeners posted about it. Okay. Um, what do you have for Weekly Geekery this week? So I've been listening to the Interdependency book two. I can't remember the actual name of it, uh, but I know it's the second inter- Interdependency book by John Scalzi, and it is so good. Um, I have been using it to go out for runs and walks and really motivate myself to, to go out, and I am powering through this book. Like, I'm amazed I didn't finish it today. Honestly, if we didn't have to come in here and podcast when we did, there's a good chance I would have finished it today, and I started it, like, day before yesterday. It is a magnificent book. I am so into this series, and I don't know when the third one comes out, because, like we said on our podcast about books, we never know when books come out, but... I cannot wait for book three. Like this is one of the best series of books I've read in years. Like it's it's up there with Mistborn and Way of Kings in terms of just how much I love this. Yeah, it's one of Scalzi's better series. I like it a lot. Yeah, I actually think I like this one a lot better than Old Man's War, and I love Old Man's War. Wow. Um. So it's this one. This one just hits all of those. It's Dune. But it's better kind of things like I love Dune, but this one hasn't hit the uh, God Emperor of Dune level yet. Um, So, you know, the Star Wars trailer, I know this is on yours, so we'll talk about it It uh, uh, a little bit later when we get to yours. But I'm still playing Trails in the Sky. I've been playing this a lot, actually. This is primarily what I've been playing this week. Um, I'm like 22 hours in now, and this game is great. This the story is wonderful. the The characters are are unique, whether or not you like them or not. They're definitely uh, unique and have uh, wonderful personalities. And I can't remember if I said it last week, but I, the reason I think I've fallen into this is because of the writing and the world building, but also because the characters speak the way that people speak that that when there's dialogue they actually talk like it's a conversation as opposed to uh just having this kind of stilted rpg uh uh, dialogue and conversation that that happens sometimes so it's just it's drawn me in and uh, i'm so playing so many more of the of the uh, sequels to this one i probably won't do them back to back because they are very intense and very uh, very long but they're definitely one of those series that i'm gonna make it through all of these trails games because 22 hours in and i'm still as invested as i was at hour two i'm glad you like it so much like that you still like it after you know a week or two yeah just been been playing it and whenever i have free time grabbing the vita and playing it and that's a really good sign that whenever i could be grabbing my phone to do something i'm grabbing the vita to get a little bit further in this cool that's awesome um yeah for me this week uh i think i might be done with elder scrolls blades i'm still like opening it every day and i look at it and i just go uh, maybe not like oh. it's it's one of those where it's on the cusp of like i don't know if i'm gonna delete it i might just like put it into a hidden folder in the back of my phone <laughs> or something and like wait for it to update for six months but it feels like the play sessions are a little too long to be a mobile game oh. like the dungeon crawls are slightly too long and also the level scaling feels off like it feels like it's getting too hard too fast and not in a fun way so 
yeah, I think I'm about ready to put that one down. It's not as awesome as I was kind of hoping it would be, but that's okay. I mean, at least I got a week or two of enjoyment out of it. And then um, the Jedi Fallen Order trailer, I'm going to talk about this before I talk about other Star Wars stuff. So, like, this is the new game coming out from Respawn Entertainment, and I know it was, like, EA published, but, like, I'm I'm all in for this game. It's it's from Respawn. They make really good games. Like, I really like Titanfall 2, and they're the people who, like, revamped Call of Duty to make Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2 before they split off and became their own studio with Respawn. So these guys used to be at Infinity Ward. And, I mean, this Jedi Fallen Order game is single-player. There's no multiplayer at all. There's no microtransactions. It's a story-based game, and it's a third-person action game. And, like, all of this is stuff that I loved from previous Star Wars games. So all signs point to me loving this game. I am not excited about this game. I want to be excited about this game, but I think that I'm going to have to wait and see what actual reactions are before I decide to pick it up. Like it could very well be a day one or, you know, week one purchase for me, but I'm going to have to wait on other people like you and uh, the, the internet in general to tell me how, how it is because I've been a burned too many times uh, on triple a, uh, day one releases but also ea action games are not really my thing um the games that respawn has made and those people are responsible for i don't really like and third person action games are um not something that can keep my attention so i'm hoping that it tells a good story and is kind of like that force unleashed uh kind of action action game like that because i loved the force unleashed um just that kind of uh makes you actually feel like a jedi kind of thing the trailer the story everything seemed impressive but it has so many so many negatives just bearing down against it in my mind that that i'm i'm mega hesitant about it like i was not terribly impressed yeah the it's not hard to get my star wars money when it comes to video games (laughs) and i know this i know it's like a weak point for me so i might as well just embrace it like if you tell me single player triple a star wars game that that's all i need you can have 60 dollars. like it doesn't matter anything that you say after that point as long as the game's not like broken on release you know like that's what i want and i will buy it i will play it i will beat it i know all of these things already whether or not it's a great game whether or not it stands the test of time like I, I know myself well enough to be able to talk about it and say whether or not it's like for you or for other people. Right. Um, but I know I'm going to get I'm going to buy it. So I might as well get excited for it. It's kind of that's I'm true. At. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, the other Star Wars thing this week is the episode nine trailer. And yeah. I don't want to like dive in and like do a deep dive with all the like spoilers and well, not spoilers, but just like theories and all that stuff. I just I'm hyped about it. Like I'm excited. Yeah. And it's it. They basically said that this is the end of the Skywalker saga. And I think that's a really good thing for Star Wars. Like the universe is so much wider than that, but they have to put, they have to tie a ribbon on like, like they have to put a bow on the series and just finish it up. You know, they need yep. to wrap it up so they can move on to the next thing. And I'm really excited about it. Like I saw this trailer and there are things in it that really, really excite me. There are things in it that have already got my brain uh, looking at how they're, how they framed things in the trailer that I'm like, we're thinking about where they're going. I'm always going to be hesitant about JJ Abrams finishing anything because he's never done it before. But uh, I like JJ Abrams too much not to get excited about this. The force awakens, I think is my favorite star Wars, movie at this point and like i am 
really, really hopeful about this one where I'm not quite all in like I was for the Force Awakens release, but I really liked The Last Jedi. I really think that this one is going to be fantastic as well. It's uh, I'm just I liked what I saw. Yeah, I'm. I'm tempering my expectations because I love The Last Jedi so much, and it finally was kind of like nodding towards a wider world of Star Wars, Mm -hmm. and this feels like it's going to close back down a little bit to finish out the Skywalker stuff. And that's okay, because I think they're going to actually finish out the Skywalker stuff, but also it's back to J.J. Abrams. It's back to like, I hope he has enough freedom to do new things with it and not just like recycle into the same stuff that we've seen from the Skywalker saga. Um, That was one of the things I liked about The Last Jedi so much, is that it did so much different. So... Either way, I'm going to be excited for this. It's like, you know, the ninth movie out of this epic yeah. saga that I love. Like, there's no way that I'm not going to be excited. But And I'm, yeah. I'm super excited for it because, like you said, the, 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 the larger world, the larger galaxy out there in the Star Wars universe, um, with Ryan Johnson getting his own trilogy, he can explore that like he did in The Last Jedi and then wrap up with J.J. Abrams putting, like you said, that nice bow on the Skywalker saga uh, that kind of uh, also you know, branches off into it. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, the I mean, the Ryan Johnson trilogy, like that's what I'm actually the most excited for in Star Wars, but I'm going to be very excited for episode nine. Like there's right. no question in my mind. And then the other people who are working on the next Star Wars series or saga or trilogy or whatever are the showrunners from Game of Thrones, which you've heard that, right? No. Yeah, so the guys who run the Game of Thrones show... Um, And I bring this up just because it's a nice transition because Game of Thrones final season kicked off. But yeah, they're the other ones that are working on Star Wars movies as Ryan Johnson and them. Those are the only two sets of Star Wars movies that aren't like on hold or canceled at the moment. I did not know that that was. And if I if I did know that, I've completely forgotten it. Yeah. So Game of Thrones is back. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything. Don't worry. And this I kept it for the very end of the show for this reason, if you didn't want to hear anything at all. Um, but I basically binged the second half of season seven over the weekend just to prep for season eight. And um, I picked up in season seven with the battle with the wagon train. I guess if you haven't seen season seven, I won't describe it any more than that, but that's a really good place. If you're looking for someone where to like, okay, where do I pick back up and like get back into it? Um, that's a great place to start. It's about halfway through the season. And I watched through the end of the season and I finished it the morning, uh, like Sunday morning. And then the new episode for season eight came out on Sunday night. So that was about perfect. So my wife and I watched that together, which is always nice to find something that like we can watch together because our taste Mm -hmm. in TV is so different most of the time. But we both love Game of Thrones. And this first episode was just like a lot of super interesting character reunions. And I'm not going to say more than that to be spoilery, but it feels like that might have been the very last setup show or the the last setup episode of the entire Uh, show because the finale is coming, you know, but all of these character like reunions and like interactions, they're all in the same places finally. And those needed to happen so that the story can keep moving forward. And a lot of this week was like catching up the characters on things that we as the audience know, but seeing how they react to that information because they don't have the same information that we've had for a while. And Jennifer and I haven't watched it yet, but we are either going to watch it tonight or we're probably going to watch it in the uh, over the weekend to try, you know, to watch it with the next episode because we've we like to binge things a lot more than wait week to week sometimes and so we'll i'll eventually get to this it's uh, i'm excited about it i like it but but i'll eventually get to it yeah and i will watch it every sunday because i'm super excited for the end i'm, I'm basically just excited for like the next five sunday nights because there's only five left like it's only six episodes a season 
And each one, I think, from here on out is like an hour and a half, something like that. Like it's they're going to be epic episodes. So I'm just I'm super excited. Was this past episode an hour and a half as well? No, this was about an hour. And they said that the whole season, season eight, has about the same runtime as season um, seven did. And it's two less episodes. So they must have really long episodes later in the season. Right. Yep. That's good, though, because the, the, the typical episode structure doesn't necessarily always work for storytelling, and I'm glad that they were able to to break out of that for this particular series as it's led up to something so uh, so desired and, and, and hyped up. Yeah, so there we go. There's your Game of Thrones report, I guess. I'm not going to do this every week, but it was the kickoff of the final season, so I'll probably have thoughts at the end of the season, and I won't mention it again between now and then. We could do another worst episode ever on Game of Thrones. No, we're not going to do that. Guys, if you want to hear the worst episode that, that Void and I have ever done, go find our Game of Thrones episode in the archives and listen because it's bad. We were trying to force ourselves to say things that, I don't know, I think we thought that we had more thoughts than we actually did. And then we tried to make it into a full length episode and we just learned not to do that. We just, yep. the main topics are now however long they are. Um, like this episode was probably like 45, 50 minutes talking about magic. And that was fine because we wanted to. And some weeks it's like 10 minutes main topic. So we're less stuck in the structure than we were at that point. Don't listen to that Game of Thrones episode. <laughs> it's so bad. It's um, that's so probably bad. it for this week. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And we also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. So go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links and you can hang out with all of us and then see all the other stuff on the network. I blog at agreenmushroom.com. You can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And I'm blogging at the Media Network site. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geeks. Watch the Game of Thrones episode or listen to it. Listen, it's a podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek. Hello, friends. This is Troidal Power inviting you to join me over on Twitch most weeknights sometime after dinner. Video games have always been a social hobby for me, with friends and family crammed together on a couch chatting away while someone holds the controller. And thanks to the power of the internet, I've got my own virtual couch over on Twitch where you can kick back and goof off while I play games. 
Find me on Twitch by searching Troidal Power, that's T-R-O-Y-T-L-E Power, to snag a spot on the couch.